title your notes, Shine, okay? Because this entire chapter is all about uh, the importance of God using you and I uh, to shine. Um, He's using us. And I I just love the way uh, God has orchestrated this plan. I mean, imagine uh, being God and being able to... um, be surrounded with nothing and everything that is going to exist is going to come right out of him. So he literally steps out onto nothing, surrounded by nothing, looking at nothing and creates everything out of himself. That's like bad to the bone. That's amazing. So he creates everything and when he creates the world and he he makes people and he has children, he calls us children, which is so awesome. We're not servants or slaves, we're children. And, And he looks at us and he says, okay, I am going to release my glory, my strength, but I'm not going to do it with everybody looking at me while I do it. I'm actually going to do it inconspicuously. Did I say that? Well, that was a mouthful for me. And, and it's going to flow through my children. And so people are going to see my glory and see the beauty, but they're going to see it through my kids. And so what the enemy tries to do with you and I is to keep us distracted by petty problems. That's right. Uh, you know, if, if you're taking notes tonight, write this at the top. This is very, a very profound set of words that I'm about to give you. Duck nibbles. All right? It's very profound, okay? You're not going to find it in the Bible, all right? Duck nibbles. That's what 99.9% of our problems fall underneath that category. Can everybody say duck nibbles on three? One, two, three. Yeah, look at the person next to you and say, watch out for the duck nibbles. Go ahead. The duck nibbles. What are the duck nibbles? Duck nibbles. If, if a duck was nibbling at my, my, my legs, it would be incredibly annoying. But they don't have any teeth. It can't hurt me. It's just incredibly annoying. And so what the enemy does, he just floods us with duck nibbles. And some of them are some ugly ducklings. Yeah, go write that down too. We got, like, wisdom is just overflowing tonight. And, you you know, everyone, so you know when you see them, I got duck nibbles and you're the ugly duckling. But don't say it out loud. That's not good. Just, Just know it. Right? Am I preaching good so far? I know what you're thinking. Start reading the Bible. My goodness, Frankie. I know, I know. But the enemy wants us to be consumed by these things. Um, consumed by them. And, and, but what God is just constantly just, you know, wanting our attention and our affection. Because he wants to shine through us. Have you ever looked at somebody and, 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 and a lot of times I see this. In, in the older generation, people north of, of 55, I, I see this more in them. 
But you, you look in, in, in their eyes or in their face and it's just like, man, I feel like I see Jesus when I look at you. Do, do you ever see, have you ever seen somebody like that? And, and the reason why I feel like I see it more with the older generation is, is I think at that point in life, they kind of identify a duck for a duck. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of like after you've lived 55 years and obviously I'm not 55 years old, but I think at 55 years on this earth, you just kind of go. <laughs> so I'm not going to have a cherry red Ferrari. So what? And the Joneses down the street just got a, you know, a, a, a swimming pool the size of a lake. Well, more power to you. You know, I think at 55 and, and up, it's just kind of like you're, you're done competing with the Joneses. You're done trying to impress people. It's like Forrest Gump. He goes, my mama once told me, a man, I wish I could talk like him. It would really make this point much better. <laughs> my mama once told me, a man doesn't need much. And everything else he has is just showing off. <laughs> it sounds better when Forrest Gump says it. But the, the duck nibbles and the distractions and, and the worries and the concerns, all of these things are just ways to try to get us to stop giving him our attention and our affection because if he can stop that, he can stop the shining, the glowing that's in people's face, that's in your face. He wants to stop that. He wants to cut it off. I tell you, I believe that there's nothing Satan hates seeing more than the reflection of your father off your face. I think he hates it. It, He just looks at you and goes, man, you you remind me of your dad. Isn't that cool? All right, so we're unpacking Ephesians chapter 4, and 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 we're going to unpack this. Uh, I'm going to pull out like seven verses, okay? And so... Uh, all of these seven verses seem to have a thread in them, and, and it's all linking to shining. It's linking to God's presence shining through us. And so uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, this is a book of Ephesians. If you didn't know it already, a guy named the Apostle Paul uh, wrote the book of Ephesians. Uh, he was actually in prison as he was writing uh, these letters. He wrote four letters. He wrote one to the Ephesians, uh, the, the Christians um, in Ephesus. Uh, he wrote, um, what did he write? He wrote Colossians, uh, Philippians, and Philemon. And so we have already gone through Philippians together. Now we're going through Ephesians. Uh, then we're going to go through Colossians and then Philemon. Philemon is an awesome book because it's very, very short. And it's about a slave uh, who stole something from his master. And his master wanted to kill him for that. And, and Paul actually writes a letter back defending the guy saying, hey, he made a mistake. Forgive him. It's a really, really cool book. Uh, but we're not there yet. So here we go. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, this is written in approximately 62 AD uh, while he was in prison. And so let's start reading Ephesians chapter 4. And let's just pick on the first verse straight off the bat. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. He's begging these Christians... By the way, Ephesians, it's called a circular letter. So it wasn't just a letter to a specific uh, 
uh, group of believers. Uh, it was actually supposed to be passed around from believer to believer and read in different groups. Um, and so he's talking to, he goes, I, I'm be- I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Amen. You, you know what I love about uh, our U.S. military? A lot of things. But one thing in particular, I used to be a youth pastor for uh, about 10 years. Um, uh, actually, almost right on the button, 10 years. And, and we would have some kids in our youth group. Man, the, the only thing that they knew how to do was be bad. That's it. I mean, if if you don't know what I'm talking about, man, I got I got a youth. Just go to a local high school, and you think, man, can you do anything except be bad? And they'll go to serve in the army, serve in the military, and their pants will be hanging down here. And you've seen them, and and they're and they come back. You ever you ever seen a knucklehead? go to the army for six months and come back home to visit, you don't even recognize them. You don't, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. No, let me get that door. No, let me help you with your bags. And you're like, something happens at boot camp. And, And I don't know what's going on in there, but they take knuckleheads that are acting like brats and make men out of them. And ladies out of them. They come back. Their pants are up here. Their belt is tight. I mean, their chest is always out. Their shoulders are always back. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. I I don't know what they do and what they say. And maybe I don't want to know, okay? Maybe I don't want to know what's happening at boot camp. But all I know is those boys and those ladies, they come back and they realize that they are representing their country. And they are not going to walk around acting like a knucklehead with their... You you never see a young man in the army wearing his fatigues with his pants hanging down here. (laughs) That's right. You don't see that. You don't see a young man. He's a Marine. He's 21 years old, buzzed hair on the side. He's a Marine. His pants are hanging down. You don't ever see that. Am I telling the truth? Yes. You don't see that because here's the deal. They can act like that when they're just representing themselves. But when you have signed up to serve the United States of America, the greatest country in the world, you have signed up to serve the country and to, to, uh, to protect the country. And here's the big one to represent the country. If you're going to sign up for that, you're going to act like this, you're going to talk like this, and you're going to do this. And if you don't, that sergeant is, is going to share a few thoughts with you <laughs> in a very creative way from what I understand. And, and what Paul is saying is, is I want, I'm begging you to be a prisoner and to serve God. And, and let, me, let, me, let me not put it in my own words. Let me put it exactly the way he puts it. He says this. To lead a life worthy of your calling. Worthy of your calling. 
And what I, I think the biggest challenge that many of us have is, is to realize that we have been called. It's easy to look at somebody else and go, that person's been called. No, no, no. You, you have been called. You have been called. And in Philippians, we studied this last month, uh, Paul said this, he goes, my one prayer is that you would know how high and how wide and how deep God's love for you is. See, that's the biggest challenge we have is to recognize that he loves us so much and that we have a call on our life. And once that revelation sets in, then it would be so much easier to live a life reflecting the fact that we take this serious. We take this serious. We talk different, we dress different, and we act different. You know, um, people who are not Christians expect for people who are Christians to act different. They expect it and they're disappointed. They don't say it out loud. When we dumb down our beliefs because we don't want them to feel awkward. Let me give you an example. Um, we went to uh, Mexico this past week. It was family vacation. We went to Cancun. And um, somehow or another, I was with me and my wife and my three kids. And... Uh, the setting was like in the lobby of the hotel, and so in this lobby there was a bar, and this is an all-inclusive place, so everybody was having drinks, and da-da-da-da, and everybody gets real friendly when they're drinking. You ever notice that? So I'm sitting here with a baby, sitting in the lobby of this hotel, we're playing, and all of a sudden this group of couples come over, and they're like, like, you know, they're real friendly and plastered. So they sit down, and, and, um, and my kids are getting a kick out of seeing people plastered. And um, it's like a family resort, but I don't know where these guys came from. I'm like, hey, have a seat. And so we're sitting down, and, and um, uh, Presley tells Luke, Presley's 10 going on 31, tells Luke, who's 7 going on 2, leans over... <laughs> And says, if these people find out that daddy and mommy are pastors, this is going to get real uncomfortable. <laughs> She's 10. Sure enough. So, what do you do? So many thoughts come to my mind. I want to say public speaker. <laughs> counselor many thoughts because I've been here before but my kids go <laughs> and I said well um, I'm actually a pastor <laughs> say what say what <laughs> everyone's looking at me and all of a sudden nobody's cussing anymore right. 
And excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. All of a sudden, and, 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 and does it get awkward? Oh, yeah. Because all of a sudden they're saying, bless you. Thank you, ma'am. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. Bless you. May the Lord bless you. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Everybody's getting blessed now. You know, it's like. What, what's my point? The people that do not have a relationship with God, they expect People who claim to have a relationship, God, to have a certain set of standards. Now, the enemy has kind of worked this thing and bent it in our head. Because the enemy kind of makes us think, man, I'm going to act like them so that they're not uncomfortable. In other words, I'm not going to shine really bright... And I'm not going to let all of what I have found in God really burst through me because the person that I'm with doesn't have that light and I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Right? Well, that's where wisdom kicks in. Because the Bible says that we're supposed to be light and salt. Now, have you ever taken a salt shaker and shaken it on your food and some moron before you at the restaurant screwed off the top just a little bit and then you go like this and all the salt goes and kills your food? See, that's a person who doesn't know how to be salt because salt is supposed to make a person feel thirsty just enough to make them be thirsty for more. Too much salt ruins the meal. That's where wisdom kicks in. Have you ever had, had somebody turn the lights on you when you're trying to sleep and it goes from dark room to bright room? It's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens when somebody who loves God doesn't use wisdom with the amount of light that they show. But you got to turn the light on. Why? Because you and I are responsible. We're going to get to that in a minute. But all of this to say that Paul is saying, walk worthy. Don't not shine. Don't not share. Don't not hold yourself in the right way. Does that sound good? Someone say, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Boy, I worked a mess out of that first point. I only got 17 tonight. Number two, I'm going to go through two and three pretty quick because number four is going to be a lot of fun, but two and three uh, have a lot of wisdom in it, so I don't want to go through it too fast. Ephesians chapter four, verse two, watch this, always be humble. Everyone say always. Always. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults. Because of your love. You know why Paul is saying always be humble? Always. Um, Because humility, if you're going to write something down, humility is mandatory for promotion. It's mandatory. Now, you can get promoted in corporate America by being arrogant. You can, you can pull that off sometimes. You know, some of us have some arrogant bosses, and you're like, how in the world did you get there? But if you want God to promote you and to raise you up, humility is mandatory. 
That's why anytime God gets ready to promote us, he'll send somebody to offend us. He's got to break down that pride. He's got to break it down. That's why the Bible says, I will raise up the humble, but I will oppose the proud. It is mandatory. That's why Paul is saying, oh, be humble. And and the way to do that is to give people grace. Here's the second, the third verse I want to point out. It's actually the third verse in the chapter. It reads like this. Make every effort. Say that word with some passion. Effort. One, two, three. Say it. One, two, three. I mean, say it with some effort. Get it? One, two, three. Oh, there you go. Make every effort. Man, that is so important. That word is so important. I actually circled it with my big blue pen. Circle it if you have a pen in your hand. Make every effort. To keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. What he's saying is make some effort to be connected with two things. He mentioned two things in that scripture. Number one, with the spirit of God, the presence of God. And number two, with peace. How do you make effort to be connected to God? How do you practically do that? Two things. Number one is your thoughts. Man, I I heard Pastor Lance preached a great message on Sunday. Is that true? Did he do that? Anyone who speaks for us, whether they're on our staff or they're from the outside, I always uh, watch it online to, to figure out if they're going to get another opportunity. And, and I think Lance is going to be getting another opportunity. I mean, I, what I saw on the video just was phenomenal. And, and he just, man, he just really spoke well on the power of our thoughts. And, and when you are making an effort to stay connected to the Spirit... When a thought comes in your mind that you know, you know, you know that it is not from God, remove and replace, remove and replace. You got to start thinking about something else. You cannot take a thought out of your mind without replacing it with another thought. You can't do it. It's absolutely impossible. I mean, I want everyone here on the count of three to start thinking about nothing. One, Are you ready? Don't think about anything at all. I mean, nothing. One, two, you can't think about nothing. So if there's a thought in your mind that you need out of your head, you got to remove it and replace it. Start thinking about, I don't care if it's the Houston Astros or the Boston Celtics or uh, I I don't care what it is, remove and replace. So how do you make an effort to do that? You got to get it out of your head. Now that requires effort. That requires effort. It says uh, the presence of God. To have, to, to connect with God. That requires effort. Now watch this. Having the desire. I, I hope this really resonates. Having the desire to have a relationship with God does not give you a relationship with God. Having the desire. Can everyone look at me? Look at me. Don't even take notes right now. Having the desire to have a relationship with God does not give you a relationship with God. We have to have some effort. Have you ever had a close relationship that you didn't and put any effort forward with. 
No, it requires effort. Effort. And then he says to have, to, to have peace, to exert effort with the Spirit of God and with peace. And how do you do that? When you feel anxious and whenever I feel anxious, what are we going to do about that? Do we just get sucked into the toilet of, of anxiety? Uh, my brother and I have this language. My brother Jonathan and I will text each other and we'll say, man, I'm slipping into the toilet right now. Yeah, that's how we talk. And, and basically what that means is I'm having a bad day and, and, or I'm feeling anxious or stressed or, or um, I'm stressed out of my mind or uh, I'm getting depressed. I'm, I'm slipping into the toilet right now. That's what we call it. Well, well what do you do? And what do I do when that happens? Just get flushed? <laughs> I'm working this, this, this analogy a little bit too far, right? <laughs> I know, I know. We, you got the point. Just move on. Just, what do you do? When you start getting depressed or anxious or stressful, what do you do? It requires some effort. Do something. My gosh. I remember when my mom and dad got divorced, my dad went into this depression for like weeks and, and we lived in Miami. We, we used to live in an apartment in Miami and all of a sudden he'd walk out the door and go swimming. He had to do something. I remember like it was yesterday sitting in a bagel cafe with him in Miami and all of a sudden he got anxious. It was like it just hit him. It just poof. We were sitting there eating bagels and all of a sudden he, he just got anxious. It, the divorce had just happened like, a, like 10 or 12 days prior and, and he just he couldn't sit there. And, and he gave me the, his, his wallet and he just he went outside and he, started, he went into a comic book store. Just, he had to do something. It requires some effort. It requires some effort. Are you willing? We're talking about being a God chaser on Sundays. That doesn't just happen because you want it to. It requires some effort. You, you don't lose weight because you want to. I'm not happy about it either, but I'm just saying. It requires some effort. Let's keep going. Number three. Um, oh, number four. Point number four. Jonathan, here comes point number four. I told Jonathan about point number four. I said, look, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you're going to like point number four. I said, don't use the bathroom when I start getting close to point number four. Here we go. Point number four. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility, uh, I'm sorry, this is in verse 11 of chapter four. That's what I just read, verse 11. Now I'm going to read verse 12. Their responsibility, the, those people, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I'm a, it's about to show my job description real quick. Their responsibility is to equip, this is my job, to equip God's people. Now here comes your job. It's going to show your job description as a child of God. To equip God's people to do the work and to build up the church. That's number one of your job description, to build up the church. I'm going to tell you how to do that in a minute. And number two, to build up the body of Christ. So you guys have two jobs. I kind of have one job. But it's just with a whole bunch of people. And so it all balances out in the end. But my job is to equip you. That's why we go through the Bible just like this, verse by verse, book by book. To equip you to do two things. 
to build up people in the church and to build up the church as a whole. It is, it's your responsibility. Okay? Now, how do you do that? The people in the church, you encourage them. What does encourage mean? To inject courage. To build them up. Why? Because sometimes we come walking in here and in the day uh, busted our tail. Have you ever come walking into church feeling like, I just got my tail kicked out there. But praise the Lord. And we, we cover it up with a good smile and makeup and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and we just got to encourage each other. We got to build them up. We got to look at each other and go, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to South. I'm so happy to see you. Build each other up. Man, my goodness, you're looking good. Build each other up. Build us. Hey, I got a good verse for you. Hey, let me get you something. Hey, encourage each other. And how do we build up the body? That's basically bring somebody with you to church. When you get to heaven, there should be people there that got there because of you. And now, uh, thank you, (laughs) ma'am. Absolutely. Now watch this. I'm going to give you a little secret. Easter's coming up. This is the easiest time to bring people to church. I am getting my vehicle worked on right now. I'm driving my wife's car. I'm getting my vehicle worked on. I'm going to go to that guy tomorrow morning. And I'm going to say, hey, did you make some money off me today? It's going to be a little awkward for a, for a second. He's going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm happy you made I want you to make some money off me. I want you to. But hey, I want you to come to church with me on Easter Sunday. He's going to say yes. Two reasons why. Number one, Easter's not for another three weeks from now. People will make commitments three weeks from now. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, I'll be there. It's not for another three weeks, but I need you to come. So number one, they're going to come because it's three weeks from now. They're going to give me a commitment. Number two, everybody knows you have to go to church on Easter. Bag them. (laughs) So on Easter Sunday, every one of us needs to bring somebody that doesn't normally go to church. Can you wave at me on that? Every one of us needs to bring somebody that doesn't normally go to church. And, and I tell you what, it will be the most exciting Easter that you have ever had. Because it is so nerve-wracking when you bring a friend to church. If you brought a friend to church tonight, you're nervous as all get out. I better be good. I better be funny, but not too funny. Sometimes when somebody's too funny, it's embarrassing. But when they're not funny enough, it's disappointing. <laughs> Right? You will never, ever, 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 ever be more nervous in a church service than the service that you brought somebody. You want it to go good so bad, that sound better not be too loud. Right? You want everything to be perfect. If there's a loud singer next to you, it's going to be like, hello. (laughs) You're louder than the people with the microphones, hello. You will never care more about that church service than when you bring a friend. It will be your most exciting Easter you've ever had because you're building up the body of Christ. You're doing what God's called you to do. Now, what? Now, this is the point I want to make. When you do this, in Romans chapter 2, it says that he will reward each of us according to our works. Now, watch this. This is where we get to have a little bit of fun. You do not get to go to heaven because of the things you do. You go to heaven for what you believe, okay? If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that he's the son of God 
and you accept him as your savior, you go to heaven. You don't, now, what you do, your works determines your rewards. Now, do not underestimate. Are you guys hearing me? Let me make sure. Do not underestimate rewards. When we underestimate God's rewards, we are going to be so regretful. And he says, I will reward you for your works. When you bring people and introduce people to a relationship with God, he rewards you. Now, let me just kind of show us, show us all. When your imagination gets blown, what does it feel like when your imagination gets blown? I'm going to blow your imagination away for a second. Are you ready? And just imagine that God is going to blow your imagination away further than I am. Do you think that God can impress you more than I can? Do you think so? I'm about to impress your daylights out of your brain. And just know God is going to make what I'm about to impress you with look like patty cake. Are you ready to get impressed? See, some of you are like, yeah, all right, whatever, impress me. Okay, okay, take it lightly. Here we go. It's going to be more fun impressing you than the person next to you. I was reading this magazine on the plane. And it started talking about some things that are coming out in the near future. And I was like, whoa, so here we go. I'm going to read the whole article to you. Thank you. I'm going to read the whole article to you because you're not going to want me to stop and you're going to wish that I did. So here we go. It's titled, Coming Soon, X-Ray Specs. Google it. Don't ask for my magazine. I'm not giving it to you. You can Google it. By Boyd Farrow. You can go get the CD afterwards and pull it up. Here we go. People of a certain age will recall pouring through the ad pages of comic books, coveting x-ray specs and invisibility helmets. Today's kids, of course, derive similar fantasies from films like X-Men and The Avengers. But these science fictions, it turns out, are quickly becoming non-fictions. Buckle up. (laughs) Recently, researchers across the world have started making noise about the prospect. I feel like this microphone's about to start causing a ringing. About making a noise about the prospect of superhuman Jonathan Mazapika vision... Robotic blood cells that allow us to breathe underwater and a kind of living superglue that would enable broken bones to regrow. Wow. I'm on paragraph two. And while it's unlikely that anyone will be leaping tall buildings in a single bound anytime soon, there has been talk of an an invisibility cloak. Am I boring you? (laughs) The research 
community is abuzz with flappy fanboy excitement over the emerging field of metamaterials, a range of synthetics that can be produced in labs on an atomic scale and whose properties seem to be confound by basic natural laws. Take graphene, which is a million times thinner than paper and 200 times stronger than steel. This wonder stuff, described as the new silicone, has conducts, has conducts power and heat more efficiently than anything ever discovered. Tech firms like Apple and Samsung are betting that it will transform the digital, digital arena. Mr. Zong, an associate professor of electrical engineering and computer science at the University of Michigan, has other applications in mind. His team of researchers have been working on super-sensitive graphene contact lenses that he says will allow people to see in the dark or even look through solid materials. Am I blowing your mind yet? Hold on. Google, for its part, recently announced that it is designing tiny magnetic particles to patrol the human body looking for signs of disease. Nanotechnology pioneer Robert Fredis believes computer-guided artificial blood cells will bring up close biological strength that we have never seen before. They could allow us to hold our breath for four hours at the bottom of a swimming pool, Fredis claims, or sprint for 15 minutes before taking a breath. The University of Pennsylvania's uh, the University of Pennsylvania's new $92 million nanotech research hub is among the leaders, having recently produced diamond nano threads so strong and light that their developers claim they may one day allow us to take elevators into space. And if that's not sci fi enough for you, the lab has also developed a kind of invisibility cloak, albeit a very small scale. Pennsylvania professor Nader Egnita, these guys are clearly uh, not from Louisiana, a leading figure in metamaterials believes that the rapid development of these substances is set to be accelerated even further by new printing techniques, which mean that larger areas of metamaterials can be made with lower costs. He cites a new generation of super lenses, which will allow people to see things invisible to the most powerful microscopes, and so set the stage for creation of even more extraordinary metamaterials. As for the aforementioned invisibility trick, Ignatia, I'm sorry I'm butchering his name, and his team have found a way of using metamaterials to bend light, 
creating the illusion that the object being covered by them isn't there at all. The next step, he says, will be to create fluidic metamaterials or invisibility paint. When asked what he might do if endowed with invisibility, he provides a response that seems to have more in common with those old comic book ads than with scientific research. I'd use it to do good deeds, he says, without being noticed. So I figured, hey, this is just one author. Let me Google metamaterials. Go home and Google that. It will blow your mind. Then Google graphene, G-R-A-P-H-E-N-E. That will blow your mind even further. What are we talking about here? We're talking about things that 95% of this room, as I was reading that article, was going, impossible. Why? Because our imagination cannot even wrap around that article. Now, do you think that God can impress you more than Mr. Broid Pharaoh? And God is saying... I will reward you. Now, what does this article do for me? Personally speaking, I don't think we're ever going to see that stuff. I don't think our kids, 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 kids will ever see that stuff. You know why? Because the Bible says, see, we got to always go back to the Bible, right? The Bible says this in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy that I'm giving you a secret. Seal it up, seal up the book until the end of time. When many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Knowledge, I believe that all these things are possible. But none of them are actually going to happen. Because... I believe that Jesus will come before any of this stuff happens. Now watch this. The Bible says that knowledge is increasing. Every 12 months, we get on the internet and we want to see what is Apple going to come out with next. Knowledge is increasing so fast. It took us 2,000 years to figure out how to turn lights on. We were walking around with torches and candles for 2,000 years. Now, every year, we're coming up with watches that can unlock doors. Knowledge is going... It's so sharp. Before, knowledge was being increased like this. Now, knowledge is being increased like this. And the Bible says, this will be a sign of the last days. So all these things is not baloney. Except... We're not going to be here for it. (laughs) We're going to be laughing at paint that can make things be invisible. Paint. Which, by the way, one of the articles I read says that the U.S. Army is coming up with an invisible tank. Which is basically they take the paint and they put it on the tank. And it bends the light that's coming on the tank. I know all this stuff sounds ridiculous. Google it. Read it yourself. 
But watch what I'm telling you here. Knowledge is increasing so fast and so rapidly. It's not a reflection only on how fast we're learning. It's a reflection on how quickly Jesus is coming. Yes. Amen. I've got more points, but I'm out of time. Um, but I feel like um, I need to emphasize the point of this whole message. God is needing you and I to be more focused at drawing close to him and allowing his presence to do whatever it needs to do in us and through us so that he can work through us. Getting caught up with duck nibbles and my boss is mad at me or I'm not going to get this account. With All these things are very important. But they're duck nibbles. They're not hurting you. They're stressing you out. But they're not hurting you. Whoever's going to come up here, Omar or Robert or, or I don't know, somebody come play underneath me. Let me close with this last very important verse that when I saw it in the Bible towards the end of the chapter, I thought to myself, I don't know if I need to hit that one. I don't know if it goes with the sermon. And I felt the Spirit of God just hit me. Because I don't know if it goes with the sermon or not, but it's somebody in this room needs to hear it. It says this in verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. You know, now that I read it again, obviously it links perfectly with this message because you can't shine and be angry at the same time. And I feel like the presence of God is in this room in such a way that it's my responsibility to ask you, are you angry at anybody tonight? Are you angry at anyone tonight? The reason why I fought in my heart with God about this point is um, I just thought, man, I don't know, I'd rather close the message with a point that is more broad. And I just felt God just convict me. Am I going to close this message with what he wants to close it with or with what I want to close it with? And for whatever reason, whether it's one person or everybody in this room, I know that I'm supposed to ask, are you angry? Are you angry with anyone? I don't know what they did. What they did could be 100% wrong. And I'm sorry for that. I, I really am sorry for that. But it's got a foothold in your life. You know, um, 
Ivan Tate talked about something during the first service when he spoke a few weeks ago that he didn't bring up in the second service. Um, In the first service Sunday morning, he started talking about divine disconnections. I thought that was awesome. Because I've always heard of divine connections, but I've never heard of divine disconnections. Divine connections are obvious. Man, God brought you into my life. But there's divine disconnections where God doesn't want you in that person's life. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to go to heaven. But it just means you're not supposed to travel together to get there. There are some people in my life that I know for sure. I had a a Facebook account for 24 hours. A couple of those people were like, is this Frankie Mazapika from North Shore High School? No, it is not. (laughs) Boom. I am not supposed to ever communicate with those people again. Let God figure out how to get them to heaven. He's big enough and awesome enough. That's a divine disconnection. Some of the people that you might be angry with or the person that you're angry with, I'm not saying you ever need to speak to them ever again. This has nothing to do with that person. This has everything to do with the enemy not having a foothold in your life anymore. And to forgive them does not mean that what they did is all of a sudden right. It just means you're trying to get right. Let God deal with it. Let God deal with it.